I don't remember there being a real conversation about who did what because somehow you just fall into it. And then before you know it, years have passed and patterns have gotten established and then the resentments build perhaps. A lot of it comes down to revisiting and renegotiating your relationship at different stages. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, I'm Jo. I'm Lucy. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. Today, we want to talk about the mental load. If you haven't heard this terminology before, the mental load is basically all of the organizing and the planning that you do to manage not just your life, but your family's lives as well. The first time that I came across this term, this phrase mental load was about a year ago. So it was towards the beginning of 2017. My sister very kindly forwards me different articles and bits and pieces that she thinks I might be interested in. And on this particular day, she forwarded me a comic drawn by a French artist named Emma. And the comic is entitled, You Should Have Asked. And I read through it and it took a while. There's a lot, there's a fair bit to it, but I just felt like this drawing knew exactly how I felt. It was reading your mind. It was. (laughs) If you haven't seen the comic, we will put a link in our show notes, but basically it's a series of drawings that explain how women often take on the role of household manager in organising their home. So the artist Emma gives several examples of uh, one of them. The one that stands out for me is a woman who clears her table and on the way she finds all sorts of other jobs that need to be done like picking up a towel and then she takes it to the washing machine and realizes she needs to do a load of washing and the tasks just all flow on from each other. So rather, you know, as she's tidying up this table, she sees all these other things and she goes and does them at the same time. Yeah. Whereas the one that stood out for me was the group of women who are busy doing some sort of task and above their heads are all these thought bubbles. And in the thought bubbles, there's all the other things that are on their mind that they need to do and to get done. And and I feel like this so often, you know, I'll be at the supermarket and I'll be like, oh, I haven't bought the uniform that I need to buy for netball or, oh, I need to make sure that, you know, dinner's pre-prepared tomorrow night because you know, we're going to be out or something like that. There's always something else that's on my mind to make sure that it's organized and prepared for the family. And they often always come to you at difficult times, like when I'm going for a run and I can't just write a quick note to myself that I need to remember. (laughs) I'm really bad for sending myself emails and I hate clogging up my inbox, but it's what I tend to do. Like if I don't have access, because then I worry about losing pieces of paper. So I will just send myself an email and Yeah, you know you'll see it. The point about the mental load is that we are taking on the role of organising as well as actually doing of the tasks. Yeah, that's right. There's one thing to actually be the project manager. And I think as the comic explains, usually in a workplace, if you're the project manager and the organizer of everything, you don't tend to be the person who's actually executing the work. Whereas in a family situation, not only are we planning out who needs to go to school when and what we need to do in our own work environment and whether people have got clean clothes, let alone food to eat, we're also making sure that we shop for the food, wash the clothes and uh, get ourselves to work and our kids to school. So these are our topics for discussion today. 
the mental load and also the division of the physical labor and how that is divided between partners and, and how those things are determined in, in the relationship. Yeah. And importantly, what you can do when you feel like you're really burdened by the mental load. And I think that's the key thing that this comic is trying to say is that the mental load can be a really big burden and it can have a really negative effect on you personally and on your relationship. So given that Lucy and I aren't psychologists ourselves, and this is the kind of thing where we think that expert advice is definitely necessary, we thought we would ask a psychologist to join our conversation today and share with us some some advice around this area. And conveniently, I happen to have a psych in the family. So I asked my sister, um, the same sister who shared with me that comic a year ago, to come along and join Lucy and I to have a conversation about the mental load. So welcome, Katrina. Thank you, Lucy and Joanne. Before we start talking about the mental load, Kat, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Mm-hmm. I'm a counselling psychologist. I trained uh, back in doing my master's in 93, 94, and since then have been working both in the UK and here in a variety of roles. My focus now is working with people around relationship issues, so whether that's with individuals or couples in my practice in Mount Lawley. So is this mental load idea something that comes up often for you in your workplace? It comes up often as part of the couples who come for a range of issues. Couples come when they're in crisis and sometimes the domestic load and the issues around that, like how people work as as a team, does come up and there's a lot of stress around that at times, particularly when there's um, children involved, particularly when they're in the younger phases, when the couple is still going through that transition from couple two to three or four. Mm, The parenting aspect. Yeah. Mm. Um, for me, seeing that cartoon, like I said, was a, a real eye-opener. It felt like it described how I've felt for a long time. So I imagine this concept of mental load has been around for a long time. The research shows, unfortunately, that whilst women are returning to work and being both workers and contributing to the household in a monetary way, that they're also performing the bulk of the domestic duties yeah what does it look like in your house Lucy before my husband and I had Lily our roles were pretty traditional he played golf every weekend and I hung out at home and cooked and cleaned that was pretty much (laughs) our lives for a few years (laughs) I don't know how we ended up that way but that's how we ended up but as soon as Lily was born that changed pretty dramatically Well, actually started when I was pregnant because I was very sick. And so Jack took on a lot more of the responsibilities from them. But after she was born and I was breastfeeding, he kind of had this little thing that I was feeding a child. And so he wanted to, sounds really weird. He wanted to feed me. So his way of helping me with our baby, that sounds really weird, but that's pretty (laughs) much of helping with our family was to take on the role of the cooking. And so since then he has been in charge of cooking which is really nice because it's like I have a personal chef. Mm. I enjoy that. And he also, I'd say we share the housework pretty evenly, although we have a cleaner, so that helps. Mm. That's good to hear. Yeah, Mm. that is good to hear. Mm. But that's the practical stuff. In terms of the mental load, I think that's becoming more even between the two of us, but I'd say I probably still have the bulk of that responsibility. It's definitely a a funny thing, and I think that it's difficult for people to even really analyse it in their own lives until 
I'd read that cartoon and actually thought about it, I'd had those sort of feelings that I was doing a lot, but I didn't really have the words and the terminology to explain. And then it kind of was like, yeah, I am doing a lot. You know, I I am the organizer for the family. And that I feel very much like that cartoon woman is described as being the project manager for the family, you know, Mm. and I think it gets to a whole new level when your kids start school. I've got now three kids at school and there's so much going on, you know, like there's school events, you know, last week there was Mother's Day activities. This week there's performances at the school, presentations. Next week I'm going to help out in the kindy class. There's photo day coming up and God forbid I send the kids, you know, to school with their hair messy and um, dirty clothes on or something like that. There's a lot going on and you take on a lot and it's me who always has to be the person who is working out, okay, this needs to go on the calendar. This has to happen on this day. That happens on that day. And I kind of have got to the point where I'm dreading the evenings after the kids go to bed because inevitably at some point after the kids are in bed, I get the question. So tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) We've spoken about this before, but one thing that I've taken to doing and only within the last six months or so is I've got a calendar on the fridge and anything that's family related that requires either me or Jack or the both of us to do something about is in that calendar. And ever since I started doing that, Jack reads it. And he'll say to me, you know, oh, we've got play school tomorrow. I've made Lily's lunch. And so he'll look at it. And as a result of me putting stuff on the calendar, you know, the smallest, simplest little task, he then takes on a lot more of the responsibility. Yeah. And that's a really good point around setting up systems in the household to facilitate something, Mm. you know, facilitate something getting done. And I I think one of the things that can be a bone of contention is that um, an expectation of one party say that if you've spoken about something that you'll retain it and then you'll make the leaps to what needs to be done and the assumption that I think that way so the other will think that way and needing to step back from those assumptions and put those concrete things in place that make it happen. I can definitely relate to that because that's what we used to do. We talk about something, you know, two weeks ago and then the day would come and be like, well, we spoke about this. Why don't you remember? It's that thing of having to decide who's going to do what, when. And like I said, I get to that end of the day and like, okay, so tomorrow, who's going to take the kids to school? Who's going to pick them up? Who's going to take them to netball? Who's going to, you know, like it's just all right, let's project manage one day at a time. And it, it, it can it can get a bit wearing. So what else would you suggest, Kat? What else can we do? I think we can be specific about what we want. And often what will happen is that you get to talking about these things when something has gone on or a pattern's been set and it's it's gone on for some time. So when it comes to trying to do something about it, often there's a lot of resentment or hurt stored up. It feels like it's a really heavy, big issue and that it's really hard to get to how is this going to change because it's gone on for so long. Sometimes it's hard for people to speak openly about what goes on in their relationship because they hear about other people saying, oh, it's all pretty good with me. And that is one thing I've found that So even on this podcast, you're like in between a rock and a hard place in a way that if you, if you say the reality of it, speak publicly, then you've kind of bagged your partner out publicly. (laughs) (laughs) But if you, if on balance, you've kind of been through the process somehow and come out the other end and feel like it's pretty good, then it can feel sometimes a bit disheartening to, you know, other people who are in the thick of it struggling 
I think we just gave a pretty fair representation then, didn't we? Lucy was saying how it's gone pretty good and I'm saying that I've still got yeah. a struggle going on. Yeah. And I feel like Kane's saying that because it wasn't always that way and I, I'll happily put my hand up and say that because my husband knows and I'll bring him in here and get him to admit to make up all weekend, every weekend. That's yeah, the yeah. thing. Can you see that I'm still resentful about that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like that anymore. You make a good point about speaking the truth. And, yeah. you know, especially when it comes to relationships, I think a lot of people do like to present a happy, healthy relationship all the time. But the reality is that that's just not the case. When you're in a long-term relationship, it's never going to be happy every day for, yeah. you know, however many years. So if you've got a couple who come to you and, and if, you know, if you're having a few conversations and, and you start to realise that this kind of thing is an issue for them, how would you normally suggest that they start to recognise this issue and, and start to make change? One of the things that can happen is it starts with blame, yeah? So blame gets thrown about and then that triggers a defensive reaction mm-hmm. and then that triggers escalation in the cycle. So we moved a long way away from what the original issue was that got raised and we're just fighting now. Yeah. So, you know, my role is to try and point out that dynamic, like make that dynamic known and help them see what happens and often will be on a repeated basis. So they end up having, feel like they're talking about the issue a lot and trying to resolve it a lot, but what happens is the same dynamic gets, you know, played out. So then they have these um, mounting resentments, like I tried to talk about it, but we don't mm. get anywhere. Um, and, and it just creates this, yeah, quagmire to try and get through the next time. Yeah, And then it can be, oh, I don't want to bring it up again because it just leads to a fight. So you push the feelings down and and it can feel really petty because sometimes, you know, the argument will start because you didn't unload the dishwasher or I had to tell you to hang the washing out when the washing machine finished or something. And so that's yeah. kind of the surface level. And so you don't bring it up or you just are resentful or whatever you do. But it's actually the bigger issue underneath, which is the whole mental load, the whole division of the mental load, mm-hmm. that's actually the problem. Yep. You know, sometimes that comes back to the conversations that you have or don't have about what roles, you know, how it's going to work. You know, I know that I started out when I had babies that I wanted to be at home. Mm. And so I don't remember there being a real conversation about who did what because somehow you just fall into it, Mm. you know, like you're at home and you kind of tend to do the home things. And then before you know it, years have passed and patterns have gotten established and then the resentments build perhaps, you know, if they do. So a lot of it comes down to revisiting and renegotiating your relationship at different stages, having those outright conversations. But there's also being clear and specific about what you're you're talking about and also taking responsibility for what's yours. I think sometimes what I see happen and also with myself sometimes that I want to say what the problem is and then I want a change to be made, not by me. You know, I want, I want the other person to change. I yeah. want them to do something different, yeah? It's easier, isn't it, to get somebody else to do yeah. it? <laughs> um, that's the mistake that we make. We have to come back to what is, that, what is in my sphere of influence? What can I control? Then we look at what can I do and then what will I do? rather than just like maintaining the status quo. That for me is making me think about letting go and 
changing your standards I mean like you say you can only control what you think and how you feel about it people talk about you know let's go back to the unpacking the dishwasher idea it's that so my husband would say I'll do it but I'll do it when I want to do it not right now the second that you want me to have done it Mm -hmm. that comes up for us yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's about letting go and realizing that actually doesn't matter if I'm I'm giving this advice to myself by the way (laughs) it's about realizing that doesn't actually matter if it happens right now and so I don't have to take on the stress of that because it will happen at some point yeah and remembering that the intention of your husband isn't to be painful or not to do it or think that if I leave it long enough you'll get round to it but more that it really is like a decision process around what else am I what am I doing and when does it fit in yeah it's personal priorities isn't it yeah yeah and leaving towels on the floor in the bathroom and those kinds of things thankfully my husband's not one of those you know some people that drive some nuts and other people don't care don't Notice. Look, yeah, and so when those things happen, you, you kind of attack it from a couple of um, directions. One, in terms of remembering that even though you think that this person is um, doing a specific set of torture techniques on you <laughs> and they're doing it deliberately, <laughs> that, that often the intention, it's got nothing to do with you. You know, we make things about ourselves And most often people are too busy thinking about themselves to be really focused, you know, on us. So trying to focus on intention and trying to think the best of your partner. This reminds me of um, a conversation we had reasonably recently where we were talking about the need to be right whether it's the fact that towels should be hung up on, on a bar in the, on a towel rail or whether it's that towels should be folded in a certain way in the cupboard or ironing should be done in a certain way, you know. We have our ways and it's, it's about, you know, they're perhaps doing the job, just doing it differently, but you want them to do it your way. You want to be right. Mm. And why is that not Okay. You know, because who made you the boss? As two people, you've made a decision to live together and it's a collaboration, it's a constant negotiation and there will be things that you've come easily in terms of how you live together and there will be the, always those, those tensions and, you know, trying to go the path of least resistance and come up with solutions that, you know, sometimes it does come down to those practical things. And the other point that I wanted to make, focus on what you can control, be specific. Sometimes in a part when I'm with couples, one of the questions that I will ask to, let's call it the offending partner, who's the target, you know, who seems to be causing the distress. One of the questions will be, you can see that this is important to her, say. You can see that this is important. You know that it comes up repeatedly where is it in you that you want to kind of make your partner happy? Where is it that you become thinking, I know that if I do this, it will make a difference, you know, and that trying to elicit that willingness and recognition that sometimes it's those little things. Mm. Yeah. And it's not about that power and control thing. It's not about that dynamic, but just about those simple things that, make life more pleasant where's your willingness to consider doing those kind of things rather than getting your heel stuck in and like, i'm not doing it yeah 
So some of the examples that Emma gives in this comic that we referred to about the mental load is there are two that are, that are standing out for me. One is where she's telling about a woman who went round to a friend's house and the, the mother was cooking dinner and trying to feed the kids at the same time mm-hmm. and then the dinner boiled over. You know, the husband said, you should have asked. And this yeah. is really the core of the mental load. It's a about this expectation that if you want me to do something you need to ask me and so the person who has to do the asking is the one who always has to do the thinking and the organizing and know what's going on all the time look in that isolated example i think you know that example can speak to the both ends of the spectrum you know if you need something ask for it but it also does speak to the more complicated part of the issue around who's got overall responsibility you know on one hand it does come down to ask you know, and many people will say, well, if I have to ask, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. Like if I have to ask for, you know, what did you think of that talk I gave or what did you think of this, that the, if I have to ask for feedback that it's not going to, you know, mean anything or if I have to ask for you to come and take the child while, while I focus on dinner, that somehow my partner's not in tune with me. And, and not as willing and not in tune with me means they don't love me or like whatever it might be. A whole series of thoughts can go on. That's right, isn't it? It's, it's exactly that. It's expectations and, you know, we've spoken about that before on the show and this, this whole idea that unless you tell someone, how are they supposed to really know what you expect? And as you said, we're two individuals coming to yep. live in a house together and we've been yep. raised in different ways, had different experiences we're going to have different ways of doing things and different expectations and to, you know, marry up with someone and think that it's all just going to be exactly the same is really kind of silly. Yeah. I think it's not necessarily going to be one conversation, but it's going to be conversations that have actions on top of them. So if you want something to be different More often than not, there is going to be a great deal of um, tension before the change, a positive change occurs. Because if you want something to be different, you have to be prepared to commit to doing it differently Mm. yourself before perhaps your partner is all on board yeah, which might be as simple as simpler changes allowing the towels to be folded in halves, not thirds. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it also comes down to letting the balls drop. Mm. Yeah, which can be really uncomfortable. So, and sometimes it'll be the adults that'll feel it, and sometimes it might be the the children that will feel it. Mm. So you know, it might be that you had a conversation about who was going to take a child to a party, mm. and the light white and wires have got crossed (laughs) and so it ends up that this child can't go to the party. Mm. But often what will happen is that there'll be remedial action taken so that there's no negative outcome except the frustration of I have to do it again. Mm. The example that kind of springs to mind for me is around birthdays and birthday presents, like within the family, particularly for in-laws' side of the family because... I kind of look at it and I think, why did it all of a sudden become my responsibility? You know what I did? I just stopped. Well, that's what I started doing. Yeah. (laughs) So it was stopped. I stopped as well. You know, like I would be saying, we should buy something or we should do something or it's this birthday's coming up or have you rung them because it's their birthday. And then I'm like, it's not my job to project manage these birthdays. If you want to buy a present for your sibling or whoever it is, then you should do it rather than me 
saying that I think you should or going and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. In relation to families, couples with children, it seems to me to come to relate a lot to who's caring for the children because Mm. it's since Jack and I share responsibility for looking after Lily. So we both basically have it for the same amount of time during the week that the shift in the mental load thing has happened because he's at home and he can see that we've got no milk or we've got, you know, that the washing needs to be put on or hung out or whatever. Whereas I think if it was one of us who was at, at home primarily, even if not full time, but you know, primarily, uh, it's, they seem to be really quite connected to me. Yeah, I would agree. And often say for my situation, I, I stopped work, went back to work four years ago, but went back to work for myself so that I could be flexible. Mm. Um, and so by that, you know, what I signed up for is a continuation of responsibility as primary, primary responsible for dropping off and all that kind of stuff from school. But some of the changes that I've brought in and I need to make more, I wanted to work more. And so that meant bringing in childcare and, and needing to hand on some of the aspects around arranging, you know, care. But, you know, I notice myself, like I, I still am the one to organize, making sure that she's paid. Yes. Yeah. So it's a work in progress. And I think that that's an important message to give to people is that you can hear and you can compare yourself to others and what they've got going on, but really important to try and clear your mind of what other people are doing and get a sense of what is it that I want? What is it that is going to make me feel like I'm happier, sorted a few things. And by doing that, I'll feel more able to be present for my kids or my, in my relationship and at work. Mm. It's interesting that you bring up the childcare. Lucy and I did an interview with Laura Vanderkam a few weeks ago and she's a time management expert and we asked her about outsourcing because obviously it's one of the things people think of when they're thinking about managing their time. It's like, well, Mm. if I, if I outsource, then I buy, I'm effectively buying back my time. And she made the point that because I raised the fact that someone had, um, you know, responded negatively to the idea of outsourcing when I had suggested it and Lucy and I had suggested it on the show for, for working mums that, you know, there's a whole lot of things that you can outsource as a way to feel more in control of the juggle of work and family. And this person responded negatively and, and she, she, Laura commented that it's interesting how most people's negative comments about outsourcing tend to revolve around traditional women's work. So they won't have a problem with outsourcing mowing the lawn or cleaning the pool, but they'll have a problem with outsourcing cleaning the house or childcare or something like that. And so was that negative comment coming from a woman who... From a guy, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Does it all make sense now? (laughs) Yeah, I was just curious about, yeah, the detail. I think it's interesting because I still hear that from women and all I have to do is look at myself, you know, like I still haven't got to the point of having a cleaner and there still is that sense of I can do this, I can fit it in or whatever it is. And I think there's a lot of other women who are in the same sort of boat just feeling that we should be able to just get it done. Yeah, and that, that's where all our, our kind of uh, mental blocks and our early learning around who should do what and, you know, come into play. 
But if there's an argument or an issue that repeatedly comes up, you know, on a a weekly, fortnightly um, schedule that, it, you know, you know it's going to come up, it really is important to then look at those blocks because if you have the means, why are you not solving the problem? I want to ask you one question, which we ask all of our guests on the show, and that is do you have a mantra? Are there words that you live by to get you through your days? I do. <laughs> it would be kind yeah. to self and others, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you had to give just one piece of advice to women who are managing the juggle of their career and their family, what would that be? Just stop and make some time to talk to someone that cares about you and think about what your values are, think about what you want, and then think about is what you're doing now matching up with that. So that's one thing. But also just remember that things pass and this moment that you're in now will transform into another stage and another moment. So just important to get support. Love it. And hopefully that is something that we are helping with by our juggle community. So if you want to get in touch with Katrina, look her up on LinkedIn or you can check her out at the Mount Lawley Counselling Service website as well. We'll have links again in the show notes to the episode. But come and join us in our Juggle community on Facebook. It's a really warm, supportive place. And if you've got questions like this or you just want to have a rail about something that went wrong or something that went really well, like a fun time at the Kindy Mother's Day event or something like that, then come and share it with us. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think and subscribe so that you receive notifications each time we publish a new episode. See you next time. Happy juggling. Bye. Bye.